You know me from Rocky Five. But in real life, I'm Tommy Morrison. A heavyweight with 24 knockouts. And I'm going to the top. Anyone that can go in there and knock somebody out with one punch is special. He had a style that people love. I mean, heavyweights with power, with explosiveness. Every punch with bad intentions. He hit me hard I've ever been hit in boxing. But when Tommy left the ring, then he was out of control. I was informed just a little while ago that I have tested positive for the HIV virus. You have a kid that's on top of the world who is a rock star. And then in one moment's time, in one day, people run from you. How do you cope with that? I'd ask that you no longer see me as a role model, but see me as an individual that had the opportunity to be a role model and blew it. So, as you might have guessed, we are talking about Tommy the Duke Morrison, uh, known to many of us as Tommy in Rocky V. He was also WBO heavyweight world champion in 1993. He beat George Foreman on points and uh, very sadly had to retire in 1996 after testing positive for HIV. He died in 2013. He would have been 50 years old this month. So we wanted to talk a bit more about Tommy the Duke Morrison. And to do that, we're joined on the line by Elizabeth Merrill, who's a senior writer with ESPN and who wrote some brilliant pieces on Tommy Morrison later on in his life. Elizabeth, great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, I mean, we just played that little montage there, which sums up the Tommy Morrison story in many ways. I know you spoke with him and maybe with his family and friends later on in his life as he was uh, battling AIDS. But if we sum up the Tommy story, it was a real uh, whirlwind in his early 20s, not least Rocky V. I mean, ultimately, so many of us know him predominantly through Rocky V. Yes, that's true. When he sort of hit the... That was back in, I think, 1990 and uh, really where his sort of star took off, you know, starring in that movie with Sylvester Stallone. Um, you know, so I met Tommy like far after that, probably, it was 2007, I believe. Mm. Um, I was working at the Kansas City Star. He was in town at the time, and he was claiming that he didn't have HIV. And so uh, I spent a day with him. Um, he was actually, no, he was training in Arizona at the time. But he was a big, he was a big name in Kansas City. That's kind of where he came up through the ranks and sort of lived out some of his celebrity life. There's a, there's a lot of stories about his exploits on Westport, uh, which is a big bar district down there. It was, at least, back in the 90s. And, um, just kind of a high living he was doing with his entourage and, um, and various women. And so... In 07, he was staging a comeback, and he was in Arizona training, and he said he didn't have HIV, that it was a government conspiracy. Uh, we drove around, we talked, and I, it was just such a, it was a interesting day, but it was a very confusing day uh, when he was describing, you know, because a lot of people remember that press conference, or you've probably seen... If you're not old enough, you've seen video of that press conference when he retired, 
when he said he wanted to be an example, uh, you know, for H, you know, HIV prevention. And then to come and say 11 years later that he didn't have it, it was sort of stunning. And, and the whole, and the whole idea that it was a government conspiracy. Mm. And, and he sort of like sort of lived by that for the next seven or eight years. No, sorry, my math is horrible. For about the next six years, mm. being an AIDS denialist until his death in September of 2013. Mm. So we're talking about 1996 when he made the announcement that he was HIV positive and he had beaten George Foreman in 1993 on points to win the WBO heavyweight world title at 24 years of age. He had done the Rocky movie when he was 21 years of age. So really he had the world at his feet and there was a, a multi-million dollar fight deal, a multiple fight deal in conjunction with Don King that was going to culminate in a fight against Mike Tyson and he failed the drugs test, HIV test, uh, in the build-up to the first of those uh, three fights, I think it was, in 96. Here's a little clip of his press conference where he made the announcement to the world. I spent the last three days contacting the people that I've come in contact with over the past three or four years. There's a number of sparring partners out there that I've worked with over the years, but more importantly, the young ladies that I've been intimately involved with over the past three or four years. Those people that I have not been able to contact have contacted me. Uh, my prayers go out to them nightly and their families in hopes that everything somehow will be okay. Speaking of myself for a moment, there was a certain point in time in my life that I lived a very permissive, fast, rec reckless lifestyle. I knew the HIV virus is something that anyone could get, but I also believe that the chances were very, very slim. I thought that the real danger of contacting this rested in the arms of those who subject themselves to certain types of lifestyles. Addicts, share needles, people who practice a homosexual lifestyle. I honestly believe that I had a better chance of winning a lottery than contracting this disease. I've never been so wrong in my life. To all my young fans out there, I'd ask that you no longer see me as a role model, but see me as an individual that had the opportunity to be a role model and blew it. Blew it with irresponsible, irrational, immature decisions. A decision that one day could cost me my life. So that's Tommy the Duke Morrison in 1996. That was three days, Elizabeth. We're speaking with Elizabeth Merrill, a senior writer with ESPN. That was three days after he found out he had tested positive for HIV. And he sounds there in those immediate days afterwards like somebody who has actually accepted and digested the news quite well and, and quickly and comprehensively. So uh, when did he get it into his head that he wasn't HIV positive? started reading sort of these conspiracy theories on the internet. Uh, he started reading more and more about uh, these age denialist uh, uh, stories. And, and he, you know, keep in mind, too, he really wanted to fight again. Uh, even then, you know, I, I've heard, I've been told that, um, 
you know, the news that he was HIV positive, despite that lifestyle that he had, and, you know, this is a guy who came from nothing. Um, he, he, he soaked up that lifestyle because it, it was such a whirlwind time for him. And, um, but when he heard that news, he thought he could still fight that night, even though he was HIV positive. Um, and so that press conference and him coming to terms with that, um, you know, over the years, he was meant to fight, and, and he always thought he could get back to that. Mm. And perhaps part of him being able to fight again was he had to believe that he didn't have HIV, and he had to convince other people that he didn't have HIV. Now, he did fight twice um, during his, you know, quote-unquote comeback. Uh, they were in places that did not... Um, that there were sanctions, um, and also there was there was talk. The whole thing is like a movie script. There was talk of blood samples being switched. The lawyer who uh, helped set up interview that I had with him in Arizona in 07, later that year, maybe the next year, came out and said that he was HIV positive and that, you know, they weren't on terms anymore and uh, seeking terms anymore, and they were sort of in a... I'm sad about that, and he was claiming that Tommy did indeed have HIV, you know. Um, as, he, as he started, so he stopped taking his medicine. You know, you hear a lot of people, you know, these days, if you're HIV positive, you can still obviously live a long life mm. with today's medical advances, but you can't if you don't take the drugs that you need to to sustain yourself. And, um you know, when he started, to, when things started to go downhill from him, for him, uh, there were other reasons that he said that that he uh, was sick. There was, you know, his people. Tommy and his wife said that he had. First, they said they had he had Guillain-Barr syndrome, and then uh, his wife had told me that he was sick because towards the end because they had found a, a 12-foot piece of surgical gauze in his chest um, that, that was put there during a surgery and was not removed. And after that, that sort of led to his downward slide. You know, he went from different hospital to hospital and wound up dying in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, so, you know, there's... I know that... Um, he believed he had something else, um, and doctors who had treated him earlier on in the process believed something else. And, you know, he had said he had something else 20-some mm. years ago. So, And do you really believe that he believed he didn't have HIV? Because <laughs> it, there's a 30 well, for there's a thirty. For 30 I would totally recommend it. It's, it's well worth the watch about Tommy Morrison, and in that his mother and other friends and family give very frank accounts of his life and his illness. And his mother is certainly of the opinion that he knew he had HIV. He knew he had full-blown AIDS towards the end of his life, but maybe it was in a bid to uh, keep fighting somehow or just uh, deal with the horror of what he was going through that he pretended he didn't yeah. to the outer world. But they, they feel he knew. Yeah, so in the summer of 2013, actually before that, maybe months before that, I got a few emails from boxing fans who was asking me, hey, 
what's going on with Tommy Morrison? I've heard that he's dead. I'm worried, you know. He used to be really active on message boards, kind of interacting with the fans and stuff. Uh, he liked that. I mean, he loved his fame. And so I decided, uh, hey, let's check into it. Um, tried to get a hold of people who were close to him and finally tracked down his mom in um, Aurora, Missouri, which is kind of, well, <laughs> I was going to describe where it is, but, like, in Ireland probably people don't know. But it's sort of a sort of like a, a mountainous Ozark sort of re- region. It's right outside, kind of near that. And, um, you know, I sat in her living room, and she said that he was dying of AIDS, that he, you know, that at one, you know, that at one point maybe he could have saved himself by taking medicine, but that it was too far gone. She expressed her sadness and frustration over the fact, you know, that he was in denial and that he wouldn't, and that, you know, his caretaker would not do anything to help save him. Um, But that, yeah, and by that time, you know, this was sometime, I don't know, I want to say mid or late summer, you know, she had resigned herself to the fact that he was going to die soon and he was going to die, that he was going to die of complications of AIDS. Mm. And, um, you know, she was she was very close to him. She had a hard time being able to see him because he was going from hospital to hospital. And, you know, any money that he made during that time, he didn't have it at the time of his death. That money was all gone. Um, he had a lot of hangers on mm. uh, back in the earlier stages of his career. He spent a lot of money. He was a generous guy, a charismatic guy, um, which is why he was so popular. And so it was just a really sad story of a guy. Now, I, I can't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to say he had this or this. All I can do is say, tell you what his mother said, mm. what his brother told me. And, um, the other things that I heard and all signs pointed to all signs pointed to what he had talked about during that press conference back in ninety six. about what what had ailed him at that time and you know, his mother was obviously very upset and frustrated at the situation. And you know, he could have the thing is he could have done a lot of things. I mean, yeah, he couldn't maybe he couldn't have fought again, which was kind of his dream mm. in his life, but well, he would have made a really good, you know, boxing commentator. He would have, you know, he had the personality for that. He had the draw, the magnetism. And, and there's a lot of things he could have done to sort of, you know, earn his keep in the business. And it's just sad and tragic the way it all ended for him. Yeah, it is, because his, uh, I mean, his, his, the, the eight years he was a professional fighter really were so exciting and it was a very glamorous time for the heavyweight division in the 90s to chart out his career briefly for people so he was very close to getting to the 88 games and he was beaten by Ray Mercer who in the trials who went on to win gold in Seoul so that was the level he was very close to and it was a split decision and then he um, well he embarked on his professional career he claimed he was related to John Wayne hence the nickname the Duke and what really propelled him in 89-90 to national 
uh, fame was Rocky V, as you said, and he was 21 yeah. years of age. And it's a pretty dreadful movie. I mean, it definitely is not one of the stronger Rocky movies. I think we can all agree uh -huh. on that. But if yeah. you watch a minute for a 21 year old who has had a fairly loose upbringing, which we can talk about in a while, he, I mean, there was a charisma there. He put in a very reasonable performance considering his lack of acting skills. And then, you know, he goes on and he really captures the imagination. He loses to Ray Mercer again in a world title fight. And ultimately in 1993, so what, three years after the Rocky uh, movie, he beats George Foreman on points. He's the WBO heavyweight world champion. He's 24. Everything is stretching ahead of him. I, so that was an incredibly exciting three or four year period for him. Uh, talk to us about fame and the entourage and how he handled all of that. Uh, the 30 for 30 documentary certainly outlines a lot of that, you know. Uh, he, I mean, he had an entourage of maybe 20 friends and they did not put their hands in their pockets uh, for anything. Uh, one of his friends puts forward the um, uh, opinion, you know, and he's, look, he's not a doctor either, but I mean, he, he felt that Morrison actually had sex addiction. I mean, he was that promiscuous. His life was that out of control. Yeah. You know, he was he was young and probably naive in a lot of ways. He was sort of, you know, in some ways, he was a big celebrity mm. in Kansas City, which is not that far. He's from uh, Jay, Oklahoma. So it, it was close enough to his home. And, you know, he trained in Kansas City, and he was, he was like, drinks would be on him. He was... He loved being sort of the center of attention, the life of the party. And there was, you know, you heard some of that in that press conference. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't believe that you could contract HIV through heterosexual sex, um, which, you know, obviously at that time in the mid-'90s, I think there had been a lot on that um, that it said differently, you know. And so... That, but, you know, that was sort of the, he was sort of living the time of his life then, and he just, in his mind, he didn't, be, he believed, you know how it is when you're young, probably not to this degree, but you sort of feel invincible, you sure. know, he's in a sport where you feel invincible, where you're a tough guy, um, and I think that was, uh, and yeah, he did, he, he had a lot of friends who maybe weren't around after the money ran out. Right. But he had a pretty good time during those years. And then, you know, another thing we're leaving out is he was married to two women at once, and both of their names were Dawn. So that was pretty confusing. Right. But he, he did. He was larger than life. I mean, he lived, he lived uh, you know, a uh, life that I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been some huge movie on him, uh, just because it's incredible, sort of, the, some of the things he did, uh, the um, things he ingested, um, as far as just the things that I've heard. I mean, he, you know, he had a good time yeah. um, and, and obviously paid the price for it. Yeah, it was a hell of a price to pay. He came from a, a tough background as well as a tough upbringing. He did. Um, his uh, father, um, pretty rough character. You know, there's stories about how Tommy started boxing well before, you know, the age where you, you, you know, start boxing. Uh, for, 
professionally. Um, and his parents encouraged him. His brother uh, was a fighter. Um, his, his mom at one time uh, was in trouble with the law. Um, his, his dad, you know, was very hard on him. Uh, it's, you know, there, there were, it, they didn't have a lot of money. Um, there were a lot of, and, and you know, there's stuff if you trace back to his dad's story and his dad had a rough life too. And, you know, it was, uh, he was, he was actually, though, Tommy was actually a very good football player. Mm. Um, could have gotten a college football scholarship, but yeah, he had a very tough upbringing, uh, all the way around. It was not, his life was not easy. And so you go from that to the story of riches and success, and it was a big turnaround for him, you know? And then to lose it again when you're diagnosed with being HIV positive. I mean, he was just very lost. There was yeah. kind of, and, and yeah, and, then, you know, one thing, he had a few true friends that weren't, like, in it for the money, you know, with him, and he sort of disconnected with them, too. And so uh, he spent some time in jail. He, it, yeah, it was a very up-and-down life with yeah. many lows. Yeah, well, in 1996, HIV was a death sentence. You can only imagine what that would do to your psychology when you're in his position. Um, I guess to finish on, on one of the real highs, because, hey, listen, I mean... Not many of us get to star in a Rocky movie and not many of us are world champions and beat George Foreman. And he did all of that. So, you know, there were those moments and he had talent as a fighter. There's no doubt. Sure. Yeah. And you can see that. So his, he has two sons who are fighting now and you can see that in them. You know, both of them looked a lot like him. And, you know, that's another thing. It's like another reason why he was so popular. He sort of had those rugged good looks. But to see him, like, in the early, oh, I don't know, there was a mugshot of him, of Tommy I'm talking about, oh. probably from about 2011 when he got arrested uh, on a charge. And um, you couldn't recognize him. He was bald. He was gone. I mean, he looked uh, at least 10 or 15 years older than he was. And I think that was the effects of his illness taking hold. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, very talented, had a lot going for him, a lot of demons too. Hmm. Okay, well he would have been 50 years old this month. That's Tommy the Duke Morrison we're talking about. Elizabeth Merrill from ESPN, thanks so much for talking to us, appreciate it. Thanks for your time, see ya. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.